see how that flies. <laughs> this is More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. That is such a candid, unguarded moment. I mean, an international diplomat whose words are probably weighed by, you know, atomic composition. And then he's caught on an open mic saying, let's see how that flies. See how that flies. Uh, that's Bob Ray at the uh, UN. Time is 621. So let's start with all of that. Uh, Preet Banerjee. Preet Banerjee is here on the Morning Brief, personal finance commentator, the founder of Money Gaps. Um, Canada has changed its stand somewhat on Israel. In And as a matter of fact, this is splitting the Liberal caucus, not to mention Canadians. What do you make of it? Well, yeah, that's one of the things that I that I noted was that some liberal MPs have spoken out about their disagreement with the vote. But, you know, overall, Canadians have shown <clears throat> that um, just looking at the sheer number of civilian casualties, the documentation of what's been happening and the apparent lack of anyone having solutions, and this is not new, that would do something about the humanitarian crisis that could actually be enacted is frustrated everyone to this boiling point. And on one hand, you've got people who are being persecuted. And they are themselves saying, you know, we've got issues with how things are going down. And we know that if we speak out against our government or the decision makers, that puts us in the target hairs of people who are already persecuting us here. And they're in a no-win situation. And so, you know, this small step, I think, has been uh, met with some approval uh, from, you know, taking a look at social media and people online and who I think are generally reflective of the overall sort of thoughts of Canadians, but they also are wondering, okay, but is this enough? Will there actually be results? I don't think anyone has those questions still. Let's bring it back to local, and uh, the lawyer for the city of Toronto says the city's vulnerable in this conflict with Uber. I would agree. Now, I think, you know, with time, we could have come up with an, uh, a means of capping the number of available permits, but, you know, creating it as a spontaneous action, I think Uber has a case. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like the city solicitor is giving great advice that council thought first and didn't even ask questions later. And now they might have to, otherwise their their uh, bylaw would be all for naught. And I think the, the report from the city solicitor said that any cap implemented after receiving information from city staff and stakeholders would be more defensible. So they didn't even really get that. So it looks like this was sort of pushed through probably more to score political points. And there may be you know, valid reasons for it, but I think we need more information. And I don't know how much this is expected to help with congestion and pollution. And so that's a question that needs to be answered. And if you go through that consultation, maybe this bylaw is more defensible. But as it stands, it looks like it isn't. Do you have put any faith in this project? And the housing minister is going to join us to talk about it at 9.05 this morning. But Canada is sort of going with a wartime housing strategy. And that would be that following World War II, actually during World War II, but immediately following, we had this template for a house and we just built it again and again and again and again. And the government built it. And we ended up creating a huge pool of housing. And that seems to be the strategy that we're going for again. 
Yes, and I actually am very optimistic about this idea. It's uh, a new idea, but it's actually an old idea, but it has the potential to make an impact. And I think there's a lot of people who would be more than happy to be able to buy a home, even if it was a standardized model. Um, I don't think that's going to be an issue for people. There, It is such a crisis for people that anything that can be done to increase the ability to buy a home, because there's an entire generation who said, yeah, it's never going to happen for us, and they've completely written it off. So there might be light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully with interest rates looking to have peaked, you know, maybe developers and looking at the cost of financing is going to be a little bit more palatable, which would also help the cause. On the same file, Cochrane, Ontario, which apparently is a seven and a half hour drive from Toronto, is offering to sell you a property for $10 as long as you build a home on it. I just have this vision, Preet, of like 1860 and people are in chuck wagons racing to Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the population 5,000 people right now, and uh, I don't know if they still have chuck wagons there. But, you know, I think that there would be some people who would say, you know what, uh, seven and a half hours away, uh, maybe not such a bad idea if it means that there's the possibility of buying a home. If they're, you know, desperate to buy a home in the near term, I think there are a handful of people who would do it. But it sounds very similar to some strategies in some old uh, European cities, uh, like in the south of Italy. Italy, yeah. you know, 10 euros, you can buy a dilapidated property, but you have to promise to fix it up and spend a certain amount bringing it up to code and what have you. And so I think these all these little initiatives are great. They're not going to move the dial overall. But I think, you know, this might be palatable to uh, certain people who might want to get away and working from home is more normalized. So it's, you know, it's possible. Okay, and I just looked it up, actually. The Oklahoma land rush was 1889, just if anybody's ah, there you go. Pretty keeping close. <laughs> score. So uh, I've looked at this video uh, that uh, pretends to show a Toronto police officer kneeling on a man's neck during a protest last weekend. I have to say, you can quibble over whether he's kneeling on his head or his neck, but the Toronto Police Service denial that you, there's nothing to see there is a bit empty. Yeah, there's more questions than answers from seeing that video. You had the police's uh, written statement that said, you know, he was shoved by someone and ended up in that position. The video doesn't show us enough, I think, to... Um take that into context because what we do see is a knee in the neck region uh, and it's there for a long time and it looks like he had time to take it off earlier than maybe he did so it raises questions but you know when adrenaline is flowing you're in the heat of the moment it's easy to question sort of in the field actions but that video certainly is going to raise a lot of eyebrows it doesn't seem to match with what the police are saying without additional context there's just not enough enough to go on there. Yeah, and I know some people will say, well, you have no idea what it's like to be a police officer. No, but being a police officer involves a degree of professionalism that doesn't uh, require you to put your knee on somebody's neck. And I get it. It's not George Lloyd. The guy's not dead. But still, it doesn't look like appropriate police action to me. Yeah, definitely more questions than answers at this point. This needs to be followed up and we need more information and to keep digging because that is an important, you know, event that happened and it's a it's a serious uh, incident. You are living now in a place where you probably hear God save the king quite frequently. <laughs> An yeah. Alberta lawyer is going to the next court level because he has refused to pledge allegiance to the king. And I kind of get it. 
because I, you know, the, I, I always say that the minute I get my first $20 bill with King Charles on it, I'm going to think this is the Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I got to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that Alberta is the one province where apparently you can't take a different oath and, uh, you know, be called to the bar or whatever he's trying to do here. Um, I would have thought they would have been the first to say, yeah, you can absolutely pledge allegiance to something else. But um, it does raise a, a question if it can happen everywhere else. And apparently you know, the only issue where uh swearing to an alternative oath isn't allowed in this context is in Alberta. So if they're the odd sort of province out, maybe they should just say, you know what, you should be able to make an alternative oath and let's not stop you from doing what we need you to do. Preet, thanks a lot. Wonderful to have you. Thank you, John. Preet Banerjee, personal finance commentator. You can learn more at his website, Money Gaps. See how that flies? <laughs> and it is interesting when it comes to oaths. You are perfectly free if you are testifying in court, for example, if you don't want to swear on the Bible because the Bible is meaningless to you or you're hostile to the Bible, you can swear on the Constitution or you can just swear an oath. So this urgency about this Alberta lawyer having to pledge allegiance to the king, a pledge that only works in for lawyers in three different provinces, we could do without it.